is White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air, deep to right, it is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome into White Sox Weekly. Connor has play-by-play duties. So once again, I am with you for the next couple hours. It's Jesse Rogers here on White Sox Weekly, leading up to White Sox and Tigers Game 3 of their series. We'll go live to Detroit a couple times today throughout the next couple hours. We're expected to talk to Garrett Crochet, White Sox reliever. Zach McKinstry will go to the other side of the diamond. Detroit Tigers leadoff man, he'll join us. Very shortly, in fact, both players, as they prep for Game 3 of this series, will join us, scheduled to join us at least, in the next half hour. So hopefully we'll be able to connect with Zach McKinstry of the Tigers and Garrett Crochet of the White Sox. You'll hear from Buster Only later in the show. We're going to debut a song for you that Charlie Montoya, the White Sox bench coach, is involved in. So a lot to get to over the next two hours. And of course, we'll we'll take your phone calls at 312-332-3776 as the White Sox come off a big, big win last night in Detroit. 12-3, the final. Just a really, really well-played game. Yes, there were some miscues early, but they settled down and Lance Lynn pitched around some mistakes and the Tigers only had three hits and the White Sox won this thing easily, though the first inning Certainly was a little shaky. I won't deny that. But a win is a win, and it was a big one. Again, 12-3 to the final. Let's take a look at the standings now as we inch towards Memorial Day on Monday. It's always a good day to sort of uh, take a look at the season as a whole, one-third of the way into it and all that jazz. The AL Central is absolutely nuts. The Minnesota Twins lead the division with a 26-25 and record. They lost last night. I mean, we might have a... Division leader under 500 if things don't go well for Minnesota the next few days. I'm talking about uh, on Memorial Day. So crazy. Detroit next up, uh, 23 and 26, two games out. Cleveland is 22 and 28. They're three and a half out. And the White Sox at 22 and 31, but only five games out of first place. They gained a game on both Minnesota uh, and obviously Detroit yesterday by beating them. So this is a huge stretch for the White Sox. We all know that. Slowly but surely, they're getting back into it, right? Slowly but surely. But still, five games out, granted with three teams ahead of them, is not insurmountable at all. Um, I'm going to get Buster Olney's take on this. One of our national reporters at ESPN, I want to kind of get his feel on, on what this division's all about. Again, the leader, the Minnesota Twins, just 26 and 25. Crazy. 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on and talk about this thing, uh, this thing meaning the White Sox and and how they're playing lately, especially last night. Again, 12-3 the final. Tim Anderson with a four-hit game. That was great to see. He was on base five times. Uh, Andrew Benintendi had a couple hits and a walk. Uh, Just a, a, a great offensive night. Andrew Vaughn with a big night, two for five with three runs driven in. He homered. Uh, Grandel with a hit and two ribbies. Berger had a couple hits. Frazier with a couple of hits. Um, uh, Hanser Alberto also had a big hit and two RBIs. Just a great, great offensive day as the White Sox had 17 hits. 17 hits. They did make an error. 
Detroit had three runs on three hits, also made an error. And the White Sox definitely played some shoddy defense uh, early in this game as Lance Lynn had to pitch around some issues in the first inning, especially. And boy, um, and, and uh, MLB.com documented this. If you read the game story there from last night, boy, Lance Lynn, if you watch closely, was kind of ticked off. Not necessarily at his teammates, but he was kind of ticked off at uh, just the situation going on, especially in that first inning. Ben Attendee dropped the ball. There were some infield issues there. Moncada had a couple moments. Hanser Alberto later on had a couple moments. It wasn't the smoothest of games for the White Sox defensively, but once they settled down, they played a solid game. And, um, you know, Lance Lynn, you know, he's always feels like teetering on on, on, on a bad moment or two, right? Uh, things aren't going to go well, and then he, he recovers, that's his game. I mean, when he's on, he, he recovers. Um, so we will talk uh, about this with you throughout the next couple hours. But first off, let's go to Detroit and talk to a guy having a really good season. Started out with the Dodgers, was on the Cubs last year. Now he's found what we think might be a home with the Tigers. Zach McKinstry joins me right here on White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Zach. How are you feeling this morning? Good morning. Uh, feeling great. How are you doing? Doing well. You guys have split the first two games of this series. Um, last night didn't go so well for you guys. But, man, Detroit's in the race. And I think, you know, you weren't on the team last year or anything like that. But I think you guys have to be a little bit pleased by what you've done since maybe a slow start. Is that the best way to describe it? Oh, yeah, definitely excited. Um, we've been playing some really good baseball here recently and uh, just looking to capitalize on it. Are you a guy that looks at the division standings this early? I mean, it's crazy. This division is, is uh, you know, the overall record isn't great if you add it all up, but you guys are all bunched. It's anybody's division on, you know, as we hit Memorial Day here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't pay way too much attention to it, but, um, yeah, just trying to take it day by day right now and uh, playing games and just trying to win win every pitch. And uh, at this point, that's kind of all you can do. It's a, It's a long season, so you don't your expectations too high just kind of stay even keel and uh continue to uh put put good good at bats together and uh team wins i mentioned that maybe you found a home in detroit you went to central michigan university so you're familiar with the area are you feeling comfortable your numbers are looking pretty good and it looks like you have uh good control of the strike zone for sure yeah i mean i'm definitely enjoying my time here in detroit it's been a good time um been up here a few times growing up and uh, from uh, had a bunch of family in Toledo, so we'd come up here for uh, some games and some hockey games and stuff like that. So definitely feeling comfortable. Uh, a lot of college friends out here, a lot of family being able to support me. It's a it's a great time. Now I know the team didn't do well last night, but you added to your on base percentage. That's for sure. You had three walks and a hit. Um, you're up over 400 getting on base, which would be among the league leaders. Uh, are you just somehow comfortable in the leadoff spot that maybe previously you weren't you have like i said before better better control the strike zone what's going on with your game yeah i'm just seeing the ball well uh some of the pitches aren't very competitive right now but um yeah and if they're in the zone just trying to make good swings on them uh following off some good pitches on the edge uh get myself maybe a better pitch unfortunately recently it's kind of been the other way the pitchers just kind of just went away from the zone after I foul off a few good pitches. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun uh, control, con- controlling the strike zone and uh, doing a great job at it. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of and uh, continue to get on base for these guys and let them kind of do the damage. 
visiting with Zach McKinstry of the Detroit Tigers. Let me ask you about batting leadoff, because I've heard this from other guys. If they could tweak one thing, it'd be a little bit more time in between innings for that first hitter. And when you're the leadoff hitter, especially maybe in the first inning, you know, after you come off the field at home, uh, that that could rush up on you a little bit. Has it been easy to adjust to the pitch clock with, with being a leadoff man? Yeah, uh, definitely at home. I mean, I've been playing a lot of third base too, so I try to get in there as quick as I can, get my batting gloves on and uh, get out there on deck so I can see if he pitches from the pitcher, um, maybe get his release point down or whatever it is that day that I'm looking for. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a little difficult, but you get a little good good amount of time, get a little good routine, and uh, don't panic. You got time, um, and it's uh, yeah, get up there and uh, you got till the 20 seconds basically to get up there. So. Um, it's not not too bad, but sometimes it can be a rush. Yeah, I think the the guys I may have talked to that sort of complained about it were center fielders, right? That were leading yeah. off. That oh, yeah. little different, get jogging in and just sort of calming your calming yourself down to, to lead off. Visiting with Zach McKinstry of the of the Detroit Tigers. So uh, your first year there, um, like they're sort of coming out of a rebuild. What what's AJ Hinch been like during this time? Uh, uh, Scott Harris just took over. You just arrived. What, what, what's it like with all these moving parts and just kind of trying to win games? Yeah, I mean, the communication, first off, has been incredible with AJ and Scott. They've been awesome. Um, just kind of letting you know what, what your role is going to be right off the bat. And if you play well, they kind of say that there's a little more room for, uh, for growth. And, uh, you know, you play well, you're going to get some at-bats. You're going to get opportunities and uh, kind of went and just – went out and played well and got the opportunities that I needed and uh, showed them what, what I could do on the field and um, just didn't really hold back anything. Just went out there with confidence and had a good time. Yeah, you broke in with the Dodgers, and they're always in a contending window. Do you think it is more difficult to break into a team that's, that's trying to win? You may not get every day at bats, that kind of stuff. Uh, is, can it be difficult, or you know, that's, that's life? You have to make the best of it. Yeah, I mean, that's why you kind of have to make the best of it. And uh, these guys have been really awesome in this clubhouse. And, uh, you know, you play well and the guys kind of welcome you and uh, take you on and just learn kind of who you are. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I feed off these guys, uh, their energy and uh, their youth, youthfulness and uh, how they show up every day and they're ready to go. Zach, thanks for the time today. I'd wish you luck after you play the White Sox, of course. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been a fun series back and forth so far. Two more to go. Thanks for your time. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, no no problem. Thank you. Okay, Have that's you. Zach McKinstry of the Detroit Tigers. Just wanted to get uh, kind of the opposing view of things. We are scheduled to talk to Garrett Crochet next. What a story for him to come back from Tommy John and, and, and pitch well right off the bat. He is needed from the left side of that bullpen, which has been a little bit of a weakness this year for the White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Jesse Rogers sitting in for Connor McKnight. We're back in a moment on the White Sox Radio Network. It's simple. The ESPN Chicago app. Back on White Sox Weekly, Jesse Rogers with you until 1130. Then we have the pregame show. First pitch right after 12. It's the Tigers and the White Sox game three of their series. The teams have split the first two. Let's go back to Detroit, where White Sox reliever Garrett Crochet is standing by to join us on White Sox Weekly. Garrett, how are you feeling today? Feeling good. Thank you for asking. How about, how about yourself? Doing great. Doing great, especially after that win last night. That was a nice one. Always always fun to have a laugher uh, in between some of the tight ones. How about you, though? You've made four appearances. 
Are you feeling like a baseball player again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm feeling good. Uh, just got some things to work on as far as command goes. But uh, as far as arm health, I'm feeling real good. Uh, just trying to help the team in any way possible. Yeah, congrats on the return. It can never be easy to be out for as long as you were. What were some of the tougher days? And then what were some of the brighter days during your rehab? Give me the range of emotions. Yeah, I mean, for the first five months when you're not playing catch, um, really just working out, it, 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 it gets pretty tough. I mean, just some long days, um, just not much time spent at the field as far as what you're used to, especially in college. I mean, there's some long days at the field in there. I mean, you're pretty much at the field nonstop. And even throughout my first season, I mean, I would get to the field around 12 for, for night games. So, I mean, there was about 10 hours spent at the field every day. Um, so, yeah, just an adjustment as, as far as that goes. Um, just kind of kind of developing a good routine to, to stay locked in. But but um, some bright days. Uh, I mean, once I started playing catch, the process itself really took off. And, and from there, going to bullpens and, and that sort of thing. But uh, bright days were, were really once I just kind of stepped on the mound and hit her in the box again. Um, I mean, n- nothing can really compare to that that sense of accomplishment of uh, fi- finally getting in the box and being competitive again. For sure. Visiting with Garrett Crochet, who just returned from Tommy John surgery recently. Yeah, I- I'm sure you missed the camaraderie in the locker room. They always- guys always talk about that. Um, and, of course, when you retire, you hear that. But just the yep. idea of competing, right? I mean, you've competed your whole life, and then that's taken away for a year. That that had to be fun. Just like, hey, even if you get beaten, a minor league rehab thing, it- it- you're competing again. That, that has to – be just get get your adrenaline going yeah no 100 percent. and and uh kind of just having a, a a goal to shoot for um you got a got a bunch of guys down there that are trying to win ball games and and that's all i was trying to do is go there and help um obviously got hit around a little bit but i mean kind of like you said it, it was still a great time just kind of getting out there again and uh really getting to have that competitive edge back in my life whether you feel locked in or not right now how many appearances do you think it, it it might take? I mean, this this is it's a difficult thing to 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 assess. I'm sure because you've never gone through it. But like in a normal season, do you, do you need to be out there five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times before you feel what What's it like as you start up the season, especially mid season like this? Yeah, no, I definitely feel like I'm pretty close to being locked in. It's really just throwing more strikes, um, just getting ahead and counts, and uh, going from there. Um, uh, I've kind of feel like I've shown flashes of it, just a, a batter here and there, and uh, feel like I'm really close to turning that corner. Um, talking with Ethan and Hassler about being a bit more aggressive um, and kind of just let myself play for itself. But, um, it, yeah, like I said, I feel like I'm really close to turning that corner. I mentioned camaraderie. It's it, you know, that, that bullpen can be fun, especially when Liam returns. That'll be interesting. But I, I guess this is your first taste of Joe Kelly, right? Because you weren't really around. And he's a, he's a goofy dude, but, man, he is throwing lights out right now. So I'm wondering, is he even more goofy when he's pitching well? Or is he the what's he like being around him? Because uh, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. Joe's the same guy every day. And uh, that's what you love about him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now uh, I think he's the best reliever in baseball. Um, it, it's truly been unreal to watch what, what he's doing right now and the way that he's uh, mimicking or, uh, I guess, messing with his timing and, and still able to repeat his delivery so well, throwing 100 and uh, throwing 90-plus mile-an-hour curveballs. I mean, it, it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen. He's one of the twi- twitchiest athletes on the field. And for uh, 
for him to be on our team, I mean, it, it's it's unreal. Yeah, it's crazy how, how this game works, right? I mean, not that he was ever a bad reliever, but you just called him the best in the game in this moment. How, do, how does it happen? Like, you're, you're just moving along, you're doing fine, then all of a sudden you're the best in the game. Is it just the, 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 the littlest of things of, of repeating that delivery so perfectly that you, you just get on a roll? What is it? I mean, he's got incredible stuff, and he's, uh, he, he's being aggressive to guys. He's saying, come hit it, and not many people are able to do that right now because, he's, like I say, he's throwing such incredible stuff. Um, but, I mean, ju- just watching him right now, this kind of – this stretch that he's going on right now, it, it's unreal. Just being his teammate and, uh, and, and having him on our side is the best. Visiting with Garrett Crochet here on White Sox Weekly, Jesse Rogers with you. So back to the team, it, it has been an uneven start, but things have – uh, looked a little bit better lately. Uh, you just joined the, the big league club, obviously. It, it, since you've come up, it probably has a, a little bit more of a positive feeling than they had in April. So tell me about that right now. There's been more wins than losses lately, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I don't think the team felt like uh, we were ever out of it. And uh, to still be this close in reach, I mean, it's definitely motivating. Um, you kind of have something to shoot for and something that that's within your reach. Um, but yeah, just, just kind of trying to play with high energy and, uh, and just kind of stack, stack some wins some series wins, kind of like we've been doing here lately and, uh, just kind of see what happens. I mean, we're just going to play the best ball that we can. And in the end, see what happens and the cards will fall where they do. Well, you have to believe that come, I think Monday, the whole team, just like they had a little bit of a lift when you came back, another big lift with, with Liam's return imminent. What have you seen out of his live BPs? I, I was at the last one on uh, at Guaranteed Rate, and the, the, it seemed like the whole team was watching him. I know everyone's behind him. How close is he? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I think that you'd have to ask him or the training staff about that more directly. But um, but he's looked great in his lives. Um, it's definitely uplifting to see everything that he's gone through and for him to be at this point that he is right now. I mean, his stuff looks great. Um, I feel like maybe there's a few things that he needs to refine in his mind, but but from my, my eyes, just watching him, I, I mean, I would take that stuff right now and play with it. <laughs> but, but but with everything that he's dealt with, I mean, there's just some boxes that he needs to check off, make yeah. sure that he's ready to go and, uh, and and take on the toll of the long season that it is. Yeah, the, the great thing is we're talking about baseball with him, not life and health and all that stuff. So it's just wonderful we can do that. Last thing before I let you go, Garrett, I know you got to get ready for the game. Um, I think it's so cool that you've never been optioned to the minors. You've only played in the minors for a rehab uh, thing. If people pointed out that out to you, that was the first time you were in the minors rehabbing this year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty, yeah isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, it, it's cool. I, I mean, um, it, it's not really something that's very present in my mind. Uh, kind of like I was saying earlier, just, just good to be competitive again. Um, just kind of trying to, turn this corner here and uh, just help this team in any way I can. Well, I'm sure a, few, a couple more appearances, you you will feel locked in with that uh, fastball that you have going. Good luck. We appreciate the time and uh, go get a win today. Yep. Thank you. Have a good one. You got it. That's Garrett Crochet of the White Sox, who, remember, was drafted and basically came right up to help them a couple years ago. 312-332-3776 is the number if you want to uh, jump on and talk about this team. I just talked to Zach McKinstry on the Tigers. There's Garrett Crochet of the White Sox. We've got Liam Hendricks, hopefully very soon, coming back um, after beating cancer earlier this year. So a lot going on with this team as they came off a win last night, 12-3. to 
Memorial Day White Sox weekly show here is a time to assess the season. It was a lot of bad early, some decent play lately. They've got to continue to gobble up some wins as um, as they play these divisional games because June is going to be tougher. So we'll see what happens. 312-332-3776 is the number. Jesse Rogers with you. Uh, we've got a lot going on today. We'll head back to Detroit. We'll talk to Buster only. I'm going to debut a song that Charlie Montoya, the White Sox third base coach, was involved in. We'll talk about all that with you between now and 1130. It is White Sox Weekly right here on the White Sox Radio Network. Get weird with Waddle's World on ESPN Chicago. Get to the ballpark this Tuesday, May 30th for Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Night. Celebrate with friends and families. The White Sox take on the Los Angeles Angels at 7, 10 p.m. The first 10,000 fans will receive a White Sox and AAPI-themed T-shirt designed by Brian Novato. Purchase tickets at whitesox.com slash AAPI. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. We have to pause 10 seconds for station ID. Live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio, this is WMVP WSAG HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. All right, just about 10 a.m. on this Saturday morning. We had a busy first half hour. Hope you uh, enjoyed hearing from Zach McKinstry from the Tigers and Garrett Crochet from the White Sox. We'll take your phone calls now. 312-332-3776. Talk to me. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's one-third of this of the season complete the White Sox stand five games out of first place yet just a 22 and 31 record it's just it's a difficult thing to conceptualize here right uh this division has just not been very good but it is still winnable the White Sox are seven and three in their last 10 games nobody else is even close to that in the division the Minnesota Twins are three and seven the Tigers are five and five Cleveland's three and seven Kansas City's three and seven Sox 11 and 9 in their last 20, 15 and 15 in their last 30. All that really means is they're playing better baseball in May than they did in April, but they're not necessarily playing elite baseball, right? They're just playing better. But you have to crawl before you can walk. You have to walk before you can run. So let's see where this leads. It's okay to be skeptical. They are playing a lot of in division games, so they should win these. Once we get to June, it's back to the Yankees and the Rangers and the Red Sox. So as I said on Waddle and Sylvie the other day, they need to build some confidence along with gobbling up some wins right now. And then we can really assess this thing a little bit closer to the trade deadline, which is still a couple months away. Plenty of time between now and then to figure out exactly what the White Sox are. But they dug themselves a big hole. They're slowly but surely trying to climb out of it. And uh, they're doing an okay job at it. Would like to see, you know, a few more wins against these uh, division opponents. But we'll see. We'll see what the rest of this weekend brings. Obviously, if they win today and tomorrow, you'll feel a lot better about what the White Sox are doing right now. So it's it's day-to-day with this thing. But let's assess where they are at Memorial Day. Do they have a shot? Of course they have a shot. They're only five games out. They're only five games out with two-thirds of the season left. So plenty of time. But they are only 22 in 31. So it's like different assessments you have to make. But really, it is only about the division in the long run. Once you get in, you have to. You, then you start to worry about who you have to beat in October. We're a long way 
from that. So talk to me, 312-332-3776. And, and what do you, what, 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 why have they had this little turnaround? What, what do you look at this team and say, okay, this is why um, this is working right now? I mean, some of it has to be related to the starting pitching, right? Lance Lynn is much better than he was. Michael Kopech is much better than he was. Dylan Cease is starting to get back to the Dylan Cease of old. So a lot of it has to be tied to the starting pitching. But what do you see as the reason for this little turnaround? 312-332-3776. And just assess the White Sox as we approach Memorial Day here. Let's go to Ben in Palatine. You're on ESPN 1000. Ben, White Sox Weekly. What's happening, pal? Hey, how's it going? You know, I just got to say it's an honor to come up after Crochet here. Uh, <laughs> you know, the man looks absolutely beautiful on the mound. Yoked. This man's been hitting the weight room, I can tell. Um, you know, I think you can give credit to the whole team, to be honest, at this point. I mean, Romy putting in work a lot more recently. You see him swinging the bat well. Um, Luis Robert as well, um, putting up 13 home runs so far this season. Um, I think that's right. Um, Jake yep. Berger coming in hot. Um, and I, I do see the momentum shifting for this team right now. And, and a lot of it is also due to the pitching. But the fact that they're going to be getting a lot more help soon, Liam Hendricks coming back, Eloy coming back, um, I see them testing out Berger at second, which I've been screaming for maybe a few years now. I mean, look at Max Muncy playing second base. He's not really the, the thinnest guy out there, but he's putting in work, you know, able to field his, do his part out there. I do think they have a lot of momentum going for them right now, and I do think that when everybody puts in work and it's more noticeable for those starting players, a lot of the other players are able to, you know, put in their own, put in their own effort as well. Ben, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's a, a pretty good assessment of things. I didn't mention um, Berger and his start really energized this team as well. I just don't know about him at second base. We had him on the show last week. I don't know, man. Um, he's worried about starting and stopping and things like that when it comes to injuries. And boy, second base, you're moving around in, mu in a much different fashion than you are at third. But I don't know what else you're supposed to do with this team, right? They have a bunch of DHs that have to play. And when Eloy comes back, I wouldn't stick him out in the outfield. So I guess Berger at second makes the most sense. Um, I mean, Makata has played second in the past, but he's much better at third than Berger is. So why would you weaken two positions if you move Makata? Plus, he's had injury concerns. But I worry about leg injuries with Berger at second base. He even talked about the other uh, last week with me, like if – once he did, he talked about running the bases and um, committing to a triple last week. Remember when he had that triple? Committing early to that triple because he didn't do any. He didn't want to do any slowing down and speeding up again. I mean, think about all the movements you make at second base. Not that you're running fast, but you're you're starting and stopping and diving and trying to turn double plays. I just I just worry about the injury concern. But I guess beggars can't be choosers. They have no other place to put them. Um, once Aloy comes back, uh, DH will be taken up. So I'd put him there, but I'd cross my fingers in terms of those leg injuries. Join us this Monday, May 29th for Southside Mondays presented by United Airlines. Every Monday home game, watch your White Sox rep the Southside jerseys and honor small businesses making an impact on the Southside. Each specially priced ticket includes $20 in, con in concession credit. All fans receive 20% off Southside jerseys. Purchase, visit whitesocks.com slash Mondays. Back to the phone lines we go. Jim is downtown, and he's on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jim? 
Hi, how are you? Uh, there was a lot of weird starts in baseball this year. The Astros got off to terrible starts. The Cardinals got off to terrible start. I'm sure they'll be there at the end. And at the end of the season, they can uh, assess, was it the pitch clock? Was it the new rules? What was it? These teams get off to slow start because of that, maybe, or whatever the case may be. As far as the White Sox are concerned, I think their starting pitching has finally turned around. And as long as they're starting pitching turned around, uh, it, you know, we get a consistent lineup, of course. It, you never know with injuries. But the point is, is I think we can, as long as we can tread water, I think we can catch the Twins. And you have a great Memorial Day weekend. And thank you. I'm enjoying the White Sox season. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, tread water is a good way of putting it. The problem is you can tread water, but at some point you need to really make that push. And when you get outside this division, there's a lot of tough teams out there, some unexpectedly good that the White Sox still have to face, like the Rangers next month. Who knew they'd be 32-18 and 18 as we approach Memorial Day? So um, I guess my point is treading water isn't going to be good enough forever unless you just think Minnesota is going to come way back, which they already have, I suppose. Um, but in any case, nine under isn't going to do it for the White Sox. They need to do a little bit more than tread water is my point. 312 332 3776 is the phone number if you want to join me, kind of assess this team as we hit Memorial Day. What do you point to as the as the reasons for this turnaround? How excited are you that Liam Hendricks is about to return? What do you think of the emotional lift he might be able to give this team? I think that's real. I really do. I think there'll be an energy, you know, uptick with this team. Um, but going back to Jim's point about slow starts, I I, I, I don't think that's a fair sort of excuse for the White Sox. You mentioned the Astros. They won a World Series. They wouldn't be the first team to have a little bit of a hangover. They're allowed to have a hangover. And by the way, they're 29 and 21 right now, three games out of first place. So they've already gotten past their little hangover as well. And if you, I know there's other teams that have had slow starts. The Phillies were in the World Series. They're allowed to have a slow start. The White Sox were 81 and 81. They changed managers. I was all for Pedro Grafal getting hired. I liked that hire. But the first manager, new manager boost they were supposed to get didn't happen in April. Now, I do think, I do think there was a little bit of a perfect storm in late April there where they lost Tim Anderson. Uh, they had a couple other guys that were slowed, right? Liam Hendricks wasn't back yet. Garrett Crochet wasn't back yet. The bullpen was a little shaky there, relying on Ronaldo Lopez for all those important moments. And then all of a sudden, they run into the hottest team in baseball in that first month, the, the Tampa Bay Rays. There was a bunch of things that worked there against them. No excuses, though. They buried themselves early, and now they're trying to dig themselves out of a hole. And they don't get the benefit of the doubt that, let's say, the Astros and Phillies got. They really don't. 312-332-3776, the number if you want to jump on. Didn't mention my Twitter handle. You can tweet me at Jesse Rogers ESPN if you want to chime, uh, sound off there, chime in, whatever you want to call it, on Twitter as well. Tom in Plainfield, you're next up on White Sox Weekly. What's happening, pal? Hey, thanks for having me on, and uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, one of the things I think like that I've picked, kind of picked up on since the start of the year, um, aside from the hot teams that we played in that first month, um, right now it seems like the Sox are playing a little bit more well-rounded baseball. Um, we're swiping some more bags. We're hitting for contact more to all parts of the outfield. Uh, 
Benintendi's getting into the mix. Clint Frazier's getting into the mix. Um, they seem to be making plays that need to be made. They may not always be pretty, but um, they're not trying to just hit home runs and win just on slugging. That, and you pair that with the starting rotation settling in um, the last you know three, four series has definitely helped a ton. Um, I think that's taken a lot of pressure off the offense. Uh, that's just my two cents. Hopefully they can win a couple more series here and, and uh, you know, climb back toward the 500 mark and then push forward. Yeah, no, that, there's some good observations there. They are playing better, but they're still just 15 and 15 in their last 30 games. As I mentioned earlier, yeah. 11, 11 and 9 in their last 20. But here's the point. <laughs> a month ago, they were playing like crap, you know, so it, it's what I said before. You have to crawl before you walk, walk before you run type of thing. They're playing better. Now, if you want to be anything close to an elite team, you have to go to another level. I think you'd agree with that, right, Tom? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch, ESPN 1000 Chicago. Welcome back. Jesse Rogers with you here on White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. Phone lines open 312-332-3776. That's the number if you want to join the show. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to play some music for you. It involves Charlie Montoya, the White Sox bench coach. I'll tell you more about that at 1030. Of course, we've got the pregame show at 1130, first pitch, just after 12 with Connor McKnight, Darren Jackson on the call right here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. Game three, White Sox and Tigers. We're just kind of assessing things at Memorial Day. Just doesn't have to be White Sox talk if you want to just talk about the league. Um, the world changes. I mean, we haven't done that in a few weeks. Uh, this is still something new for a lot of people, I'm sure. Tell me what you think about this as we, we uh, approach the one-third mark of the season. Are you enjoying it? Are you annoyed? Are you not drinking enough beer at the game? Um, are you missing pitches when you get up to go to the refrigerator at home? Um, what, what do you think now that we're, we're a third of the way into this historic New season, 312-332-3776 is the number. I'm trying to pull up um, what exactly uh, the numbers are this this uh, this far into it in terms of, I think it, I think the average game time is about 236. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, it's within a minute or two. Last time I looked, it was 236. I have a, a page marked on my laptop here, and I can't pull it up for some reason. So let's just say it's 236, which is about 30 minutes less. It's about 30 minutes less than last year. Um, do you like that? Do you like that? Now that you've seen enough games, whether it be in person or on your couch, do you like the, the shift being eliminated? Do you like the ground balls going through the right side? Um, do you like some of the more I, – I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of giving it an, a positive spin the way I'm talking because I like it. I like it. But that doesn't mean you have to like it. Um, Stone bases are up. The percentage there, uh, success rate of about 4% to 79%. Stone base opportunities are up about uh, a percent and a half per game. Um, batting average on balls in play for lefties has gone up about 30 points. So a lot of the things they intended to happen are happening. I don't think the league is surprised by anything. And I do think the league is happy by it all. Here we go. I just be, was able to pull it up. Yeah, 237 for a nine-inning game. Last year, it was 303. 
237 is how long nine inning games are lasting on average. Last year, it was 303. Stone base percentage this year is at 79.3%. Last year was 75.4. Stone base opportunities or, or uh, you know, chances last year was 4.8%. This year, 6.2%. I mentioned batting average on balls in play for those lefties. Um, pulling it to the to the left side there, 171 to the right side, 171 this year. Last year was 141. So up, like I said, 30 points. So those are some of the numbers in terms of what's happening with the rule changes. How do you like it? How do you like it so far now that we're one-third of the way into the season? 312-332-3776 is the number. Bring your group out to a White Sox game and receive specially priced tickets along with a great experience. We have private areas for corporate outings, family get-togethers, and more. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash groups. I also want to talk to you, even though we're two months out. I mean, it's, it's always crazy to talk about the trade deadline this far out because so much can change. But this is one year where I don't think a lot is going to change in the division. Now, look. Hopefully the White Sox overtake some teams, but my point is the difference between first place and fourth place doesn't seem like it's going to change that much, meaning four games, five games, six games, maybe even seven games will separate first and fourth. But I don't think any one of the top four teams is going to fall out of the race like the Kansas City Royals have, right? Now that the White Sox have reduced the gap from nine or eight games to five, I think Minnesota, Detroit, Cleveland, and White Sox are all going to be within striking distance of each other for quite some time here. Maybe, maybe over the course of the the next four months, someone's going to drop down like Kansas City has. But I I just, it doesn't feel that way. So as you talk about the trade deadline, and this is a question I'm going to talk to or ask Buster only at 11 o'clock and just talk to him about in general, I think the White Sox are more positioned to push whatever chips they have in than to just sit there and, 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 and just let things happen or even do a mini sell-off. Like, I don't think Detroit is, is, is going into a, the trade deadline with a huge buyer's attitude. I just don't. The Guardians almost never do a big buyer's thing. I think Minnesota would be the one team that would buy more likely than Detroit or Cleveland. I think the White Sox, if they have anything to, to trade, would do that in order to sort of push them into that contending spot in terms of the top spot, right? Like the, right now they're they're in fourth, but I do think if they're within three, four, five games, they would buy on the edges, on the edges. Um, otherwise, it's, it's trading Giolito and trading some of these guys that have options. But I think the White Sox, if they're in it, are going to be in it to win it. More so than some of these other teams that are kind of slowly rebuilding, um, especially Detroit. I just don't think Detroit, not saying Detroit's going to sell. I just don't think they're going to buy. So I think the White Sox of those four teams, maybe along with Minnesota, are most likely to be aggressive. Are you buying what I'm selling there? Because this is it for them. This is it. This is their window to win. And I don't care if they have no chance in October or not. You got to try to get in it. You got to try to get in and even more than last year, this White Sox team, this division really, I should say, looks like it's winnable. Looks like it's winnable. And if the Sox continue to sort of gobble up series wins, even though they're they're not going on huge, you know, eight or nine game win streaks, just gobble up some series wins, 
then we're going to see them slowly rise in, in the central. I said on Waddle and Sylvie the other day, all of it's a long shot, right? Them even winning the division is still somewhat of a long shot. Them doing something in October is still of a long shot. But it's not impossible, right? It's, it wouldn't shock you if they did, considering the division leader is 26 and 25. So I, I call it a long shot because when you when you bury yourself like this to come back and win it, I don't think there's any other way to say it. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. It really doesn't. Let's go to Greg and Elmhurst. You're on ESPN 1000, White Sox Weekly. What's happening, Greg? Yeah, how you doing? I just calling to uh, comment about the rules uh, that you mentioned, the new rule changes. And uh, I just think that the pitch clock and the lack of shifting – uh, has contributed to better defense overall. At least it seems that way. I don't know if the numbers bear it out, but uh, it just seems like uh, uh, I listen to the Sox all the time, so it seems like there's an inordinately number of great plays made against them. <laughs> um, so that's my opinion, and I think uh, uh, Major League Baseball has struck gold with some of these rule changes, I think it'll generate a lot of activity and interest and more interest in the game. And even though uh, being a traditional guy, I didn't like some of the initial rule changes. I, I think they've, they've been better and, and really will benefit the game. Yeah. Let me stay with you here. Don't hang up because I, I agree with you. I'm sort of that old school guy too. Don't love the runner on second and extra innings, but it's 162 games. I can live with it. There's only a handful handful that end that way. Um, I just feel like if, if if you were an old school guy like us, and, and you had this attitude that baseball was sacred, once you know we don't touch it, it's sacred. It's this game that's our national pastime. Once you sort of um, get off of that high horse and just accept, okay, every sport goes through changes to keep up with the times and, and for other reasons as well for competitive reasons. Once you kind of forget about baseball being this sacred cow. I think you can accept these things more. Does that make sense to you, Greg? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, it makes sense all the way around. It makes sense for uh, player safety uh, and player health, which is paramount in sports, obviously. Uh, you guys said, had said it a million times, you know, the best availability uh, is availability. And so, you know, the other thing is, is that it's, so that, that translates well upward toward the owners and the league, and it also translates toward the fans because they see their favorite players not out on the I.L. Um, you know, so, so these things have really contributed, I think, to you know, keeping the health of the game in all facets, whether it be ownership, players, uh, health, or uh, fans' enjoyment, uh, have kept all three things in perspective. Thanks for the call, Greg. Appreciate it. I mean, in the minors, um, they reduced injuries around the bags. I think 10 to 15 percent, something like that, you know, in terms of the larger bags and all that. So it has helped. I, I don't think there's any uh, major rule change that's going to keep pitchers from blowing out their arms or whatever the case may be. Right. But but it has helped with injuries around the bag in, in, enlarging these bases. So um, that's a good thing. Uh, but we still see a lot of injuries, so it, it, there's no easy fix for for some of these things. Um, I mean, the White Sox have had their share again this year as well. But at least around the bag, if you if you take the minor leagues and what they did down there, there there should be a reduction of hand injuries and 
and maybe some leg injuries there as well. Sox fans, join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Friday, June 2nd, as the White Sox take on the Detroit Tigers at 7:10. Be sure to stay after the game for a post-game fireworks show presented by People's Gas. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. All right, when we come back, I, I'm going to debut a song for you that Charlie Montoya was involved in. In fact, he was involved in a couple songs. I mean, one of them is a, true, a, a song that we all know from from being a baseball fan uh, forever. But the, the Charlie Montoya contributed to it along with his agent, longtime agent, Burton Rocks, who's been around the block a few times. Good guy. Um, and we're going to play that song for you, and I'll tell you how Charlie contributed um, coming up next hour, we'll talk to Buster only as well. He'll join me at 11 o'clock. We've got the pregame show in an hour from now as we roll along here on White Sox Weekly. First pitch, 12-10, White Sox and Tigers, game three of their series. We'll send it out to Detroit with Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson on the call as well. Stay tuned. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Greeny, 10 to noon weekdays, ESPN Chicago. Jesse Rogers back with you on White Sox Weekly. A beautiful Saturday in Chicago. Hopefully the weather is good in Detroit as the White Sox and Tigers play game three of their series. They've split the first two. First pitch coming up just after noon central time. Connor McKnight has the play-by-play along with Darren Jackson. Our number two of White Sox Weekly, Weekly coming your way right now. I was talking before the break about the trade deadline. So it's May 27th. Let's pretend it's July 27th. Let's pretend the White Sox are five games out of first or better. Where would you add? Where would you add to push this thing over the top? 312-332-3776 is the number. The strange thing is it's hard to find when healthy sort of the opening on offense for them to add. I think that offense is what it is. And if it doesn't work out in the long run, we will look back on it and say, and I've already said this on the air, uh, on these airwaves, that maybe the parts were better than the sum. Because when healthy, if you look one through nine, that's a lineup you kind of like. It's not the perfect lineup. There's some redundancy. There's, there's maybe not enough speed, or, you know, if, especially if Berger's starting and, 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 and some of the other guys. Um, but, but in general, that's a lineup you can live with. And I'm not sure I'd find much in terms of adding to it if this was July 27th instead of May 27th. Maybe if you don't love Sheets, if you don't like their outfield defense, you might find another right fielder. But I I don't think you're going to add there. You're probably going to add to the pitching staff. But I'll let you talk about it. 312-332-3776. Pretend it's July 27th instead of May 27th. Because I truly think... We're probably going to be in a similar situation in this division. Maybe someone else will be in first. Maybe it'll be the White Sox. Maybe someone else will be in fourth. But in general, I think these teams are going to be all within striking distance of each other. It just has that feel to it, even over the course of months here. It's already happened for two months. I think it's going to happen for another two. And we're going to, these teams are going to be jockeying as buyers or sellers. We don't know. But I think the Sox are more likely to add to try to push this thing over the top than sell, where I think the Tigers are more likely to do the opposite, to be honest. Now, every season is important. You don't just give it away, but you're also not giving away important prospects for a chance to get bounced in the first round. That's if you're the Tigers. 
I think if you're the White Sox, this window of contention is now, and you do whatever you can to get in. And I think that I, I think just my personal feeling that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf, for that matter, will take that take that uh, sort of um, track as we approach July, or as we approach August. Now, again, long way to go. They're not really thinking that way just yet. You you, you kind of think start thinking about that all in mid June, and then enact your plan sometime is in sometime in July, maybe even all the way up until the deadline, which I believe is August 2nd this year. So again, long way to go, but let's pretend it's July 27th instead of May 27th. Where would you add with this team? 312-332-3776 is the number. You can tweet me at Jesse Rogers ESPN as well. All right. I also um, teased something here that involves the White Sox bench coach, Charlie Montoya and his agent, Burton Rocks. They formed a band called Montoya Rocks, and we weren't able to connect with Charlie today on the show because he has his pregame duties as the Sox get ready to take on the Tigers, but we will on a future show. Montoya Rocks is a band that that he formed recently. He doesn't sing, though. He doesn't sing. His agent, Burton Rocks, does sing, and these guys put put out a couple songs here. One of them involves Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and here's Take Me Out to the Ball Game with his agent singing and Charlie Montoya on the congas. Give it a listen. Charlie Montoya on the congas. Uh, Burton Rocks' his agent is, is one of the singers. And T.D. William is a local kid. He's on guitar, bass, and vocals there. Um, kind of fun. Kind of fun. Now, they they, they have a, 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 a website or T-shirt you can go to go purchase. Go to 500level.com. Montoya Rocks is the band. Montoya Rocks, 500level.com. You can buy a T-shirt. I think Charlie's face is on there with his with his agent. Now, they did something else called El Ritmo de Baseball. Let's hear a little bit of this. This is just instrumental. 
So Charlie really wanted me to play all this because he's excited. You know how athletes are. They all want to be rockers and rockers all want to be athletes. Well, here finally he gets to combine his love of baseball um, with with some music as he performed on Take Me Out to the Ball Game and then this this other instrumental song, which is pretty good. But that's Charlie on the Congress. So Charlie Montoya, White Sox bench coach with this. Go to 500level.com if you want to get a Charlie Montoya, Montoya Rocks uh, T-shirt. Um, they're going to be putting out some other songs. Cool stuff. Cool stuff by Charlie and his agent, Burton Rocks. Really uh, two good guys. And Charlie's really been um, Pedro's right-hand man and much needed, especially during that first month. I mean, think about Grafal's first month. Now, he's part of the whole thing, right? I mean, he's he's the manager. But that's a tough first month. The schedule they had, losing Tim Anderson, the bullpen wasn't very good. And I don't think it had anything to do with Pedro Grafal. Um, and I like that Rick Hahn gave him that vote of confidence towards the end of the month. I, I, I think Pedro Grafal is a very good baseball man. Charlie Montoya next to him is a very good baseball man. Um, over time, we'll be able to judge that duo and Pedro as a manager. But I didn't believe in any of that over-the-top criticism that he was taking. The guy knows what he's doing. Now, does he have special talents to take this thing to, to take this team to, 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 to great um, greatness and to, to be, in a, uh, we'll find out. We'll find out if Pedro Grafal has a special talent about him, but I do certainly don't blame him for the way things went early on. And I know he leaned on Charlie in a big way during that first month. And I do think they're a good duo and already they're, they're turning things around, but long way to go. Long way to go. Three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. Maybe this, this could spur a topic here. Uh, Brendan Riley, our executive producer, who would you like to see on the White Sox uh, uh, on on bass guitar or on the on the bongos or singing? Like I'm trying to think, which, which I mean, Jake Berger seems to have that personality. Well, he would fit into a rock band, and he kind of looks like you know a bassist in a way, right? He's got the mustache going. Um, I'd like to see Jake Berger on on bass guitar. Sox fans, where would you where who would you input into your rock band? What would they be doing? Well, who would you like to see up there on stage? 312-332-3776. Bass guitar, lead vocals, congas. I mean, Charlie Montoya, if Charlie Montoya can do it, I think Jake Berger could do it. Let's go to Owen and Willowbrook. Owen, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's happening, pal? Hi, Jesse. Uh, Jesse, I, I uh, liked your comment about the Sox lineup. It's a, it's a lineup you can live with, but I don't think it's a lineup you can win with consistently and win championships or at least get in division and, and, and win divisions. And I really think the opportunity is now. The Cubs just dropped Madrigal down. The Sox need an on-base guy to, to be consistent. They won big yesterday, but the day before, they lose three to nothing. And, you, and, and that happens to that team all the time. And I think the Cubs, you know, with Hendricks coming back and Crochet coming back, the Sox got some release pitches that they could deal to get him back. And I think they could also use get rid of one of the log jabs of one of their DHs and maybe go upgrading at right field or catcher. And I think now's the time to do it because the division's weak and they're only five games out. Interesting comments. I mean, you're right about one thing. The Sox have an opening at second, you know, uh, it depends what happens with Berger and Elvis Andrews coming back, but they're, they've had that sort of opening there and the Cubs need bullpen help. It'd be kind of funny if, you know, they acquired magical for a lever and then, then it, it goes the other way, right? The Cubs acquire uh, trade uh, magical for a lever. I just don't know. They're trying to put, put Berger there 
Andrews is not a terrible player, right, when he's healthy. I just don't know if there's a bats for Magical, but I don't disagree that the lineup is a little uneven, right? Kind of too many DHs and not enough balance, so to speak. So you're on to something. I just don't know if it would work. And I don't think the Sox are going to trade for Magical anyway. I just don't think he's coming back. So it's a good thought. Oh, and it is a little up and down, and maybe that's why you see some inconsistency just in the results. Sox fans, join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Friday, June 2nd, as the White Sox take on the Tigers at 710. Be sure to stay after the game for a post-game fireworks show presented by People's Gas. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. 312-332-3776 is the number. Uh, which White Sox player would fit well into a rock band? Um, I, I think I'm on to something with Jake Berger, right? I, 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 not as a lead vocal. I don't want to hear him sing, but I think he'd be a, ba- a good bassist. I think he'd be a good bass guitarist. Um, we've already got Charlie. Mint- form the White Sox rock band for me. Form the White Sox rock band for me. We got Jake Berger on bass. I got Charlie Montoya on, 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 on the bongos or congas. What do you think? 312-332-3776, the number. And if the trade deadline was around the corner, what would you address with the White Sox? I just don't think I would mess with the lineup. At some point, you just have to go with what you have, right? And when healthy or even when close to healthy, the names in that lineup are decent enough, especially with Berger and even Gavin Sheets advancing in their careers a little bit. I mean, Sheets is pretty deadly against right-handed pitching. He's pretty deadly against right-handed pitching. I have no problem with him against righties and Berger against anybody right now. And Luis Robert has recovered from an awkward sort of start there after getting benched. He's really been on a tear and Tim Anderson finally starting to heat up, had that four hit game. Like you can live with the lineup. You can live with the lineup. You probably need a little bit more help on the mound in the long run. I mean, look, they're starting Jesse Shultons today. Um, you know, and you just don't know about him. I mean, you got to have six, seven, eight starters and I'm not sure the white Sox have those kinds of numbers with Clement Girard out, they're going with Schultons. We'll see how long he lasts. Um, I did like Davis Martin, but he he went down with an injury. He's lost for the season. So there's not a lot behind that starting staff. There really isn't. 312-332-3776. The number Buster only will join me at 11 o'clock. We'll continue with your phone calls. If you want to tweet me, at Jesse Rogers, ESPN is the Twitter handle. Give me a call. Give me a tweet. Sound off, whatever you want to talk about right here on White Sox Weekly. Thanks to Brendan Riley for executive producing the show as always. We'll be back in a moment on the White Sox Radio Network. Join us this Tuesday, May 30th for the all-new $5 Tuesdays. All fans will enjoy a specially priced $5 concessions menu, including 16-ounce draft beers from Miller Lite or Modolo, Garrett Popcorn, Stadium Butter, Garrett Popcorn Stadium Buttery, Vienna Beef Hot Dogs or Polish Sausages, Beggar's Pizza Slices, Nachos, and select Coca-Cola products. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash Tuesdays. Let's get back to the phone lines. 312-332-3776 is the number. Pretend this is July 27th, not May 27th. What do the White Sox do? Pretend they're within five as they are now. Maybe even better than that. Maybe they're in first. But let's just act like this division is about what it's going to be two months from now. Cause I kind of think it will be. And I just think that some teams are going to be more aggressive than others based on where they are in their, let's just use the word rebuild. Cause that's, that's how we view these things. The White Sox are out of the rebuild. 
So I think they're of the four teams in it, the Twins, the White Sox, the Tigers, and the Guardians, I think the White Sox are the most likely to be aggressive if there's something to be aggressive about. I put the Twins number two. Let's go to Mike in Evanston. You're on White Sox Weekly. Mike, what's on your mind? Yeah, hi, bud. Um, I guess I'm less optimistic of them being aggressive. Uh, you know, no, I didn't think the Rangers were going to be 32 and 18 either. But they made a huge commitment. They spent a lot of money. They hired a manager who's certainly going to the Hall of Fame. We seem to play on, like you say, the edges. Uh, we try to see if we can somehow limp into the central uh, lead and then catch lightning in a bottle and pray for rain. Um to think that they're going to be aggressive. I don't even know if there's going to be anything aggressive to do. I mean, it's these off seasons that seem to make more difference. Sure. If there was a stud pitcher available, that's the only thing you can do. You can't get rid of, you can't take burger out of playing every day. He's the only one who's been just killing the ball. Um, I mean, it's just a poorly constructed team of out of position players. And at this point, you ain't going to change a whole lot. That, kid in right field, uh, Frazier, he could always hit. So I'm kind of hopeful maybe he'd be, he's going to be a good fit there. The offense is okay, I guess. Um, the starting pitching's been actually rather good. I guess at this point I'd be just happy if they kept Giolito. And if there was a move to make, you'd have to say it'd be a pitcher. I think Actually, a lot of your points are, are very well put out there. I, I do. I, I, Mike, stay with me. I, I think you're right. I think it really is a pitcher. Um, I, Sox don't have a, a really deep farm system right now, but you, you can always put a package together to, to, to make that move. Um, let's say Crochet and Liam Hendricks are, are really good. Let's just say that. Now, Joe Kelly's not going to pitch like this the rest of the year, but the point is now all of a sudden, Graveman, Kelly, Hendricks, Crochet, that's a real bullpen, right? That's a real bullpen. I, I agree. I agree. But but you probably might want to add to your starting staff uh, for the final two months if if that's what you're, you know, if you're in it. If you're in it, you're right. I mean, more than likely, if they're in it, they can't trade Giolito. They just can't. You've got to see this thing through, and they're not deep enough to trade Giolito and still contend. If anything, they need to get deeper there. So that would be it. That would be it. That's, it's a strange thing about this team, like. There's not a lot of room for guys yet. They're nine games under 500. What I mean by, like, you're not you're not taking any of your third baseman out of the lineup, right? You just signed Ben Attending. You have Luis Robert in center. Right field's the only spot, really. But when there's a righty on the mound, Sheets can perform. But it's just poorly constructed because there's just too many of oh, those corner guys or DHs, and it does impact your defense. But I don't think there's a lot you can do to the lineup. It's really about that pitching staff. I guess Mike's gone. All right, thanks for the yeah, call, no, Mike. I am still no. here. I'm yeah. still here. I was just thinking about what you're saying. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, I mean, the the bullpen actually, with those guys coming back, Crochet looks good. I, I think the bullpen is what you go with. I mean, you hope Hendricks. I mean, you can't really. You know, it's just asking a lot to ask the guy coming off of chemo and the guy coming back from Tommy John to save you. But stranger things have happened. If there's no a doubt. pitcher available, if there's a pitcher available, a starting pitcher, that'd be the move. I mean, if they if they dump Giolito, they might as well cancel Soxfest again because people <laughs> will be just too too angry. So I think but, they're stuck there. Yeah, Mike. Thanks for the call. Look, 
you're only angry if they dump Giolito while they're in the race, right? This is absolutely a, a, an executive's job. If you're in the race, to do what you can to add, to not completely mortgage your future, and you 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 try to make the playoffs. But if you're out of the race, you have to get something out of the summer. And if you're not going to get a playoff appearance, you add to your you add to your uh, farm system by trading pending free agents. That is a must. So you, if you're trading Giolito, it means you're out of the race. And if you're out of the race, you better trade your pending free agents or you're getting nothing out of the season. Let's go to Randy in Mount Greenwood. You're next up on White Sox Weekly. Randy, what's on your mind? Hey, Jesse. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you just said it right there and your kind of caller laid that out. I mean, you know, what do they have to trade? If you're talking about a, a front-line starting pitcher or even a three or four, you're going to have to actually trade something that matters. And they don't really have it. I mean, Colson Montgomery's hurt. I mean, you know, there's there's no depth in the farm system. The caller also said you can't take Berger out of there. This is supposed to be the championship window. This is a team that's supposed to win the World Series, and we're saying we can't take Berger out of there. I know he's been hot, but, that, I mean, that's kind of what it's come to. And you talk about overall – Let's be honest, it's been the same thing. They are beating up on bad teams. When they play good teams, they just don't have the talent to hang with them. They don't, they're still fundamentally unsound. They're not good defensively, and they strike out a ton against good pitching. So, yeah, they're going to hang in there. They're still nine games under 500. You know, this is supposed to be a year they were supposed to win the World Series. Yeah, no, look, <laughs> this is why I said on Waddle we're and sugar, We're sugarcoating this to make it, to make it sound like but I mean, they're nine games under 500. There's still there's still a couple great weeks away from being 500. The division's yeah. bad, but the division has been bad. You know, Steve Stone always says, "Oh no, this is no one's going to run away with the division." But he said that last year, and Cleveland ran away with the division. It's right. just not a real good team, like you said. It's not a it's a poorly constructed roster. I don't know why we keep trying to just spin ourselves in the circles, thinking this team if they can maybe sneak in and win the division. They get bounced in the first round again. And, and again, the window, this window that everyone waited for. Okay, don't hang up on me, Randy, because I, I, I agree with everything you just said. I said on Waddle and Sylvie's show as recently as yesterday, we, we, we are trying to analyze and pick it apart, but we, the, but we have to also state it is a Hail Mary. All of this is a Hail Mary. There's no doubt. You're right. All, everything you said is right, and, and, including what, what happens in October if they do get in. However, however... I said yesterday, it, there's a one or two t- two chances out of ten that they sneak in and go on a run because you you have to leave that open. That whole idea that it's just about getting in. Anybody can win once you're in. It's doubtful, but and just because they got bounced in 21 easily by the Astros doesn't mean it all happen again. We've seen plenty of wild card teams go far as recently as last year with the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. This is all long shot talk. This is all Hail Mary talk, but that's all we have to work with right now. And the fact of the matter is, on paper, there's still talent there, and I do believe in Griffal. Uh, and somehow, some way, this division has allowed the White Sox to stay in it. So you start to cross your fingers. You, 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 you take the, the hike out of, uh, at the 50-yard line, and you toss it in the end zone. And uh, you go for it. And, and that's why maybe adding something in July would help on the mound. But I think that's the way you have to look at it, Randy. It's, it's not like we're, we're analyzing um, a team that's 25 over 500. We get that, right? I mean, you get that going in. 
Well, yeah. So, I mean, but, I mean, but uh, I feel like you also, not you personally, but, you know, people have kind of neglected the fact that, yeah, they were 15 under 500. Now they're nine under 500 still. And again, you can talk about the division, but it's, it's, it's an unbalanced schedule now. They're going to have to play tougher teams. They're not just going to keep getting fat on the Tigers. And, and we don't even know if they've done that. I mean, what are they about 500 versus the Royals? So, you know, and the, and the Indians have had a lot of injuries. And, and, you know, they played a whole series against the Indians when Naylor and Ramirez didn't play. So, I mean, I, and I think this is the same thing everyone leaned on last year. Oh, what if they get in when you have Cease and you have Giolito? You know, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn's done. I mean, he's been spinning some <laughs> stuff up there the last couple of games and get lucky. He bailed himself out last night. But, I mean, let's be honest. Lance Lynn's done. I don't think they're going to give up on this. And they're like the caller said, you can cancel Soxfest if they tra- if they uh, trade Giolito if they're even anywhere near the, the division, which they're going to be because it's a bad division. But right. I just think you can't keep hoping and praying. They've been they've been a below 500 team since the last, in the last two years. Agreed. Agreed, Randy. Thanks, Thanks for the call. Right. I, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I don't, but this is the season we have to analyze. This is the team they have right now. And at least it's not 15 out and we're, we're talking about next year already. Um, but you have to admit stranger things have happened for a team to bury themselves and come back and sneak in and go on a run. It's happened. It's very doubtful. I've ta- I said it. It's a Hail Mary. And I don't think anybody on the White Sox, if they're listening, would disagree with me. It's just the way it is. Um, that old saying, you can uh, lose the pennant in April, you can't necessarily win it, is, is going to ring true probably. More than likely, that's going to ring true regarding this season. But they have played better lately. They have made up some ground. And the division has allowed them to stay in it and allowed us to talk about them staying in it. Let's pause 10 seconds for Station ID. Live from the old National Bank State Street studio. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. All right, uh, we've got a half hour left in the show, and after we break, we're going to bring in a fine ESPN.com columnist, sideline reporter, and a good friend of mine, Buster Only. We're going to look at the White Sox, the Central Divisions, um, expand out a little bit. He's going to do the sideline for Sunday Night Baseball, Phillies and Braves tomorrow night. So uh, we'll probably talk about that as well. So Buster only around the corner right here on White Sox Weekly and the White Sox Radio Network. To the business, he hosts the Baseball Tonight podcast. You can hear that at ESPN.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. And, of course, the longtime sideline reporter for Sunday Night Baseball. He is going to be in Atlanta this Sunday night, Memorial Day weekend. It's the Phillies. It's the Braves. It's the one and only Buster only. Buster, how are you feeling today? I'm doing great, Jesse. Yeah, excited uh, on my way to Atlanta and excited to, uh, you know, for our game this week with Ronald Acuna Jr., I think, you know, front runner for National League MVP playing. And maybe a front runner for the Hall of Fame in a bunch of years will be reliever Craig Kimbrell. He spent time here in Chicago, both sides of town, uh, had a half season here with the White Sox. What do you think his chances are after save number 400? I I think he's got to get in, right? Uh, eventually, yes. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily a slam dunk candidate, but with the you know the importance of, of starting pitchers generally uh, going down in the sport, uh, with relievers becoming more important, uh, I do think that eventually you know the guys who hit 400 this year, you know Kenley Jansen, Craig Kimbrell, that they get in, and and you know this from the time that he signed with the Chicago Cubs, you know at that time clubs that were interested in him. 
uh, you know, they they were essentially told, look, he wants to be a closer. If you're if you're thinking about him as being a seventh inning guy or an eighth inning guy, nope, that's not going to be the case. He wants to continue to be the guy at the end of the game. And you know, it, it in the last five years, I think uh, you know he's had some volatility. It's a perfect reflection of where that position is right now. But to get 400 saves really separates you and puts you in elite category. Yeah, it really does. And for people that don't know, he got number 400 last night against the Braves. Good series going on between those two teams. And you mentioned, of course, Sox fans know he wasn't very comfortable in the eighth inning on the south side of Chicago. So so it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. He really wanted to close games. That was where he was most comfortable. You mentioned Acuna. Uh, National League frontrunner for for MVPs had some injuries and stuff. I mean, if, when this guy is healthy, he's as dynamic as anyone in the game, in my opinion. What's your take on on his start? As good as anybody, right? Yeah. So I made a lot of dumb picks as usual before the season started. Dumb predictions, like I picked the Padres to win the World Series, which is not looking too good right now. Uh, but I did pick Acuna to win the MVP because I was hearing from the Braves folks about. You know how he just looked like a completely different guy after his winter workouts. Uh, you know, last year in his first year after blowing out his knee, he, he seemed tentative in the way that he moved, in the way that he swung the bat. And this year, it, it's like he's putting everything together. And Doug Glanville, somebody you know, you know, we had a fun conversation on the podcast this week. If Shohei Otani is the, I mean, I think everyone would agree, he's probably the most valuable player in the sport right now because he goes as a two-way star, then who would be the second guy in a, in a league-wide draft, right? Uh, Aaron Judge would be in that conversation for sure. And both Doug and I agreed it would be Ronald Acuna Jr. You know, that's how much he's ascended in terms of being a five-tool star, the power, the speed. You know, our colleague Alden Gonzalez wrote a great piece about him that's on ESPN.com about how Acuna could be the first 40-60 guy, 40 homers and 60 stolen bases this year. Unbelievable. What a talent. What a talent. Visiting with Buster Olney here on White Sox Weekly. Let's let's bring it over to the Midwest. I mean, you and I are going to be involved in the uh, trade deadline coverage for ESPN. We're still a ways away, but, boy, the AL Central and the NL Central, for that matter, wild stuff because 83, 84, 85 wins might win their divisions. And here's the thing, Buster. A lot of these teams might be four or five games out come late July, but five, six, seven, eight games under 500 as they are now. It doesn't feel like there's going to be a separator in the AL Central. How do executives view something like that, in your opinion? We've seen it here in Chicago before back in 1997, but this idea that you're in the division race, but you have a terrible record. How do you conceptualize all that? Well, and Jesse, I think it just depends on the the. the the context for the particular team, right? Uh, the Minnesota Twins, you know, historically at the trade deadline, or recent history anyway, uh, you know, they tend to take a, a series, uh, you know, the, the way they evaluate the team is through the prism of whether or not they think they can go deep into October. And they've made very measured type moves. I saw the Cleveland Guardians last weekend, and I walked away from that convinced that, you know, at some point this year, they're going to have to make the hard decision to trade Shane Bieber because they're often so uh, thin, uh, and it's taken a big step back from last year. And, and this is all leading to, I really think in the end, as crazy as it sounds, uh, you know, after the White Sox slow start, the disappointment that they had, I think they're going to win the division. You know, as you and I <laughs> talked, uh, they're, they're five games out. 
uh, and you, they've been playing better. And for me, the difference maker is Michael Kopech. When you suddenly have him pitching at the level he's pitching at, uh, you know, along with some of the other talent they have within the division, and knowing that Jerry Reinsdorf is going to be aggressive if they see a window of opportunity to win, and this is, let's face it, after rebuilding, you know, four or five years ago, this is the time when they're going to try to win. I think they're the most likely team of the five in the division to add uh, before we get to the deadline. Amazing. There it is, Sox fans. Buster only thinks the Sox are going to win the division. I, I laughed there for a second because that would be quite the turnaround to go from that 10-game losing streak in April and getting 14 under to winning the division. They certainly have a chance, and I think your point about the context of your team is a good one. White Sox more likely to add. Let's Let's take, like, the Detroit Tigers, their opponent today, this weekend, Scott Harris just took over. He's not pushing all his chips in. Whatever they do this year in Detroit, they're probably a little bit early on Harris's timeline, maybe not on the Tigers fans' timeline. But, yeah, so each team has a different vibe to it. But there's no doubt the White Sox are in it to win it because this is the window right now, right here. And uh, think about the boost they're going to get when Liam Hendricks comes back, the emotional boost. And that bullpen, the way Joe Kelly's pitching, all of a sudden – could return to his strength. Garrett Crochet just came back. He joined me earlier in this show. So it's it's going to be very interesting how this shakes out with the White Sox. But, um, you know, they have to perform outside the division. That's the problem with all these Central Division teams. They have problems once they get outside the division, Buster. I still think they have the greatest talent. And, by the way, when you laughed, uh, it's a relief to hear your uh, your explanation of that because I just assumed you were laughing because I, I admitted I was the guy who picked the Padres to win the World Series. So for me to tell you the White Sox are going to win the division now probably should take that with a grain of salt. But I really do think, <laughs> as we sit here today, you know, given the injury issues that uh, Carlos Correa is having and that the, you know, the the plantar fasciitis that might bother him all year, some of the issues they've had with their rotation. You know, the Minnesota isn't going to be a team that's going to run away and hide. I don't think Cleveland has enough offense to do that. And it feels like it's right there for the White Sox to take. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with you. I, I think we're, we're looking at this thing as if they can just survive outside the division. They're the best team in the division, at least on paper. And by the way, Buster, I picked the Padres to win the World Series as well, so they are sunk. <laughs> I picked them to beat the Seattle Mariners, which is not looking so good right now either, but it's a long, long season. Um, before we let you go, because I, I know you've got you've got some travels to Atlanta to, to get to, Shohei Otani. I think this is a fascinating situation. If those Central Division executives have a tough decision to make, well, Perry Manison with the Angels certainly has one. Um, it, it's the worst-case scenario for them. They're kind of in it. I mean, they're definitely in it, but they're not an elite team. If this continues, what does he do at the deadline? Yeah, you know, I've been told by sources within the organization they're not trading him. Uh, you know, Artie Moreno made it clear in an interview with Sports Illustrated in the spring that if they're contending, he's not going to deal him. But I think it goes beyond that. You know, last year at the deadline, Perry did some uh, background work on possible deals involving Otani. And Artie Moreno, their owner, called it off because I think he doesn't want to be a modern-day version of the owner who traded Babe Ruth from the Red Sox to the Yankees, Harry Frazee. He didn't want to be that guy, uh, and he doesn't want to be known as that guy. And so I think he's more comfortable just playing this out uh, rather than dealing Otani out of town, let the guy go to free agency, and if he signs with the Dodgers or signs with the Mets, then Artie can tell his fan base, look, that was his decision. I, and it's interesting. I, you know, I talked to a lot of executives about what's going to happen in the offseason. Some people still think there might be a chance that Otani will wind up back with the Angels. 
because he's so comfortable there. That was the first place he chose. He has preeminence there, so he can basically dictate what's going to happen with him, maybe even with the lineups on the days that he plays. And, uh, you know, Artie Moreno, if, if he were to give him a huge, you know, crazy land contract, $500, $600 million plus, no one would blame him. He's the most talented guy in the history of baseball. I got to just say this, though. If Maniason wants to convince Moreno, all he has to do is point to the Washington Nationals. Look what Mike Rizzo has done with these trades that he made. They are 22-29, and 29, and they are not a horrendous team. I mean, that could have been a situation where they bottomed out like the Oakland A's. But the Nats have sort of quickly retooled, partly because of these trades Rizzo made with Soto, Turner, Scherzer, and all those guys. Like, you, got, you could really get that boatload of players back for a guy that might walk. I think they have to think about it more. I think that Terry would think about it, uh, you know, from based on my conversations with other executives, you know, they feel like that Perry would have been very open-minded to dealing him last year. He knew that that probably in terms of getting return value would have been the best time to do it. But from what I understand, uh, when the conversation went down between Artie and the, the front office, basically what, uh, you know, the front office was told was, no, there's no chance we're trading him. I mean, it was the idea was flat out rejected by Artie. Uh, and it would be hard this year. You, you mentioned they're sort of on the edge yeah. of the of the playoff race. It'd be really hard for them to deal in when they're in that uh, in that circumstance. Buster, thanks for your time. We'll be watching tomorrow night, Phillies and Braves, and of course, reading you at ESPN.com. Thank you, pal. Thanks, Jesse. Buster thinks the White Sox are going to win the division. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. The number if you want to sound off. How about that? How about that, folks? Um, I mean, he can't be the only one. I still have my doubts. Maybe it's a little PTSD from watching them in April. I don't know. But Buster Olney, very respected name in our business, says the White Sox are going to win the division. I, I know he's not alone. I know he's not alone. 312-332-3776. Does he make a compelling argument? Talk to me. Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. We've got the pregame show coming up at 1130. Sox and Tigers. First pitch just after 12 with Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson. This is the White Sox Radio Network. Carmen and Yurko, noon to two weekdays, ESPN Chicago. So what do you think, White Sox fans? Buster only says the Sox are going to win the division. Agree or disagree? I've got about 10 minutes left in the show. Jesse Rogers with you until 1130, and then I'll have the pregame show for you as the White Sox take on the Tigers a little bit after 12 o'clock. Connor and DJ have the call of the game. 312-332-3776 is the number. Is Buster crazy? Is he right? What do you think? Ryan in Valparaiso, I know you've been holding. Thanks. Appreciate it. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Well, I think Buster only is actually right. As much as I'm crazy to say that, I, <laughs> you, catch me a month, you catch me a month ago, I was writing an article to send into my local newspaper about an opinion piece of why the White Sox should blow up and trade everyone besides Andrew Vaughn, Dylan Cease, and Colson Montgomery. And now I'm sitting here thinking the White Sox can possibly win this division. You never know what happens when you get into the playoffs. And one of the only people they should possibly be trading, in my opinion, is Andrew Vaughn, because I think you could actually get something for him in return that could actually help this team this year. And then you're also kind of helping the lineup when it comes to all the issues that you have with DHs and I mean you got plenty of guys that can play first base on this team and I know 
last year, some people were saying, oh, Andrew Vaughn's going to be special. Andrew Vaughn's going to be special. Even people were kind of comparing him to Mike Trout in a way. Like, oh, Mike Trout's really special. Yeah, well, Mike Trout's really special, and what have the Angels done with him <laughs> since he's been there? So that's kind of like, I don't know. It's just I feel like it's time to let go of Andrew Vaughn, see what you can get from him this year. And I don't know. I'm feeling revigorated with what this team has been doing. <laughs> yeah, we still have a long way to go. Look, um, I think Andrew Vaughn leads the White Sox in runs driven in, right? Not that that's the end-all, be-all stat that it used to be, but he is a run producer. I don't disagree you could unclog that DH kind of first base jam if you trade one of those guys, one of those corner guys. Um, I, I, you know, but how many teams need a right-handed first baseman at the deadline, right? It, it, that's just a weird trade to make in July. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that's in the cards. I really don't. But you agree with Buster only. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, optimistic Sox fans. That's also interesting. You don't hear from them very often. Run Your Socks Off is back. Join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Saturday, August 5th for the Run Your Socks Off 5K presented by Planet Fitness. Racers will cross the on-field finish line and can head up to the concourse to enjoy a post-race party. All net proceeds benefit White Sox charities. Learn more at whitesox.com slash run. 312, excuse me, 312-332-3776. The number if you want to jump on. Um, I could see why you're buying into what Buster's selling. I really can. It's it, it just look at the division leader. The Minnesota Twins are 26 and 25. Now they are plus 43 in run differential. The rest of the division, in terms of run differential, holy cow. Detroit is minus 53. The Cleveland Guardians are 38. The White Sox are minus 45. And the Kansas City Royals are minus 75. So just based on that. You'd have to say the Twins are the front runners, even if their record isn't great. Run differential does give you a little bit of a picture. It does paint a picture of, of, of your team at least a little bit. So you'd have to say the Twins are the front runner. They've been in first place basically the whole time so far through the first third of the season. White Sox are five games out. I mean, you can't think of first bef- until you get past third place, right? Until you get into second place. So one thing at a time, but they're only a game and a half out of third and three games out of second. So it's all very, very possible. And Buster mentioned it. The emergence of Michael Kopech, these last couple starts, nearly unhittable, is huge. It's absolutely huge. His fastball has unbelievable life to it right now. What's happening is a, is a little bit of an arm tweak. And it's, it's created more extension on it. He's releasing that a little bit closer to home plate. And I think that's why you're getting a little bit more of an uptick in velocity. His extension is better. His arm angle is better. The release is a little bit closer to home. Just, just It's all very minute changes. And the result has been just incredible life on that fastball. Can, you can certainly ask the question, why didn't it happen a month ago? Why didn't this happen in March? Who knows? It's pitching. It's hitting. It's an inexact science. But the fact of the matter is, he's now repeated that delivery a couple starts in a row. If he can continue it, wow, watch out for Michael Kopech the rest of the way. Long way to go to say he's a consistent pitcher. But the fact is, he has that kind of ability in him. And, you know, you heard Pedro Grafal talk about um, his his purpose in bullpens. Like, everything he's doing is with a purpose. So it sounds like he's really focused on repeating his deliveries in all aspects, whether he plays catch, 
when he's in a bullpen. I wish it happened a month ago, but it's not too late for Michael Kopech to be a great pitcher. Always wanted to watch batting practice? Well, now you can. Don't miss your chance for an exclusive pregame experience to watch the White Sox and visiting team take early BP. This offer is only available for three select games, May 29th versus the Angels, June 21st versus the Rangers, and July 5th versus the Blue Jays. To purchase, visit whitesox.com slash BP. But, uh, you know, what's different about the White Sox? I'm, I brought this up at the beginning of the show. It's Michael Kopech, for one. It certainly is Lance Lynn in a smaller way for two. Like, there are tangible changes to what's gone on with this team, and certainly offensively what Luis Robert and Jake Berger have done this month, you can add on as well. Looking for a unique way to start your game day? Treat your group to a pregame patio party. You get two hours of an all-you-can-eat buffet, along with unlimited beer, wine, and Coca-Cola products. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash patio or call 312-674-1000. That music means it's time to move on to White Sox pregame as we'll bring you the pregame show next. Connor and DJ have the call of the game after 12. And I have to say some thank yous to everybody for listening, for calling. Thanks to Garrett Crochet and Zach McKinstry, along with Buster Only for joining me earlier in the show. And thanks to Jake Cantu and, of course, our executive producer, Brendan Riley, for spinning the dials and holding my hand, as always. Next up, the pregame show, White Sox and Tigers. I'll be with you in a few minutes. Stay tuned right here on the White Sox Radio Network.